This episode of The Great Equalizer is sponsored by Matilda's, South Africa's favorite sex toy retailer. Matilda's provides South Africans with a discreet but upmarket, intimate shopping experience, offering a range of sophisticated and sexy adult products that remove barriers to adventurous exploratory play. Stay tuned for more on why Matilda's is helping couples and individuals countrywide with improved sexual health, wellness, and pleasure. This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, we're talking love after lockdown. Plus, we speak to author and comedian Fran Bush in a quest to normalize female pleasure. Hello. Hi. We're in an official lockdown. I don't know if we mentioned it in our last episode. I can't remember. It feels like we've been in lockdown for, for ages now and I, I can't yeah. remember when it was instated. No, but I think when we last recorded, it was just before the president spoke to us and enforced that we all knew it was coming. Mm. So we were kind of anticipating because we were in the thir- the thick of the third wave already. So, yeah, but yeah, we're officially in it again. So amazing. This is where we are at right now. And it's impacting on a lot of us. I, I feel like, I mean, I had a very down week, like in that week, actually. And I don't think it was because of that announcement but it it that announcement certainly helped you know I had yeah it's like the straw that broke the camel's back essentially I had so many work pressures I was I was not feeling myself I was feeling gross I um, was feeling extremely depressed touched out just you know not myself I was the stranger in my own body um and I I, I say was but at times still feel that way you know I'm still postpartum I know I'm already eight months postpartum but it still is 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 a big thing and I I do think giving birth during during a pandemic has not helped and I've seen it in amongst you know other peers of 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 ours who have given birth during the same time my mother-in-law said you know just look forward to November we've booked some time away the third wave (laughs) will have died down by then and Noah will be one already and I was it was like a dagger to my heart I was like yeah no, this I feel cheated, and this is not how it was supposed to be. Yeah. So, and it's going so quickly. It's going too quickly, and it's um, that's so that was his first year. Wah, wah, like, nice. Mm, yeah. And Way too. It, it's been tough, and I I put out word on our social media platforms to ask mm-hmm. if people are feeling the same. We had always earmarked this episode to chat about love after lockdown. And I was going to change the name because I was like, well, lockdown's over now. Ding, lockdown comes back. And I'm just like, cool, well, the name sticks. Yeah, little did we little did we think or know that when we started planning this episode that we would be right back in it. So I, it stands to reason that the 
phenomenal amount of stress that all of us are under has been impacting somehow on our love lives. Either we are in a tight space with our significant others. It was a big deal last year that Mm. um, we were with our spouses more than we've ever been. I mean, especially for for me and Ray, I can really attest to that. We've never spent that much time together. Um, Look, being pregnant also kind of threw a spanner in the works um, if we're looking at our closeness in terms of intimacy, but um, Mm. which which we're going to get into because this is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how lockdown, how COVID has impacted on our relationships and our sex lives, whether it's as singletons or as married couples. So Charlene, come with me today, but um, in the PC way of, of coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. So there's a show that I I sent you a link to. Have you watched it? Because it is the talk of the town, friend. You know, I saw it long ago, like I saw it a while ago on Netflix and I was like, I must, I must see if I I must watch the trailer to see. The title intrigued me. The title is Sex Life, Sex Sex forward slash life. So sex and life kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So it's a play on words for, for sex and life or my sex life. So I, uh, the title intrigued me, but I never got around to watching it. And then you messaged me to say, have you watched this? And I was like, no, I haven't gotten around to it, but I'm going to make work of that today. So I watched, um, I've only watched two episodes. I've only had a chance to watch two. Wow. Everybody's talking about it, but everybody's talking about it because of episode three. There's a seminal moment and I'm, I'm upset that I can't actually show you on my, on my screen because this mm-hmm. is, so for the viewers, this is going to be a spoiler moment if you, if you haven't watched it, but it's, uh, it, it is what, what everybody is talking about. So this, the premise of the show is this woman who is two months postpartum with her second child. She's feeling all the feels. She's like, ah, she doesn't feel herself. She's she's such a mom now. She feels like a mom and a wife only and there's more to her and she starts having fantasies about her ex-boyfriend whose name is Brad, right? What I found really funny in the first episode is that the first glimpse we get of her having a, 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 a throwback or a fantasy about being busy sexually is like the she's she's you see this image on the screen of her in a sex scene or like being sexual with a guy and then it snaps you out of that that scene into her lying on the bed and she's dozed off and her baby is breastfeeding <laughs> I found that very, so very the, interesting. The man's meandering down from her mouth, getting into putting putting her nipple in there, and then she wakes up from this fantasy, and it's her, her it's the baby sucking so, her nipple. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of hard home truths there, but the what everybody's talking about is when you get to episode three, 
the husband yeah. finds himself in a gym with the ex-boyfriend. I won't tell you oh how boy. he gets there, but he does. He goes. He he gets uh, a bit stalkery, and he goes and sees who this amazing ex-boyfriend is. And the ex-boyfriend does a, like an about turn in the shower, and you see his penis. It's it's the size of my baby's leg, and he's got long legs, guy. No, do yes. they show his? Do they show full frontal dick? Yes, and it's and it's long, and it's long. It's one of the. It's like it's like in a yeah. relaxed state. It's, it's a. Long. It's like, yeah. So and then after that, I think it is at the end of that episode or at the end of the next episode, somehow she finds herself f- facetiming with this ex boyfriend. Okay, mm-hmm. and he gets all sentimental with her and shows her a tattoo that he that he got, got of them and and it's like this oh the sweet memory and the tattoo's in a very like risque place and then he just keeps pulling down his pants so that she sees his penis and mm-hmm. it pans the whole show like the end of the episode pans out to her with her mouth like wide open like Looking at look at the size of this delicious dong. I do not is what they're trying to insinuate. I don't give a fuck how big this guy's dick is, Neither or any dick I. for that matter. There is not a woman that I know in my life who is that obsessed by a pin. Not yeah, not a that, it's that not happening. Like oh, the, the size of that thing makes me horny. That is not what turns women on no. unless there's something wrong with me. So this is what's really upset me about the show. It's made by a woman. <laughs> I was like, that is not realistic at all. No woman is. I'd be like, why the fuck is she even answering his FaceTime? FaceTime. And then he's pulling his pants down. I'd be like, brother, bye. No. I haven't had sleep. I've got a two-month-old baby. Like, I don't need your bullshit. (laughs) Eh, Switch (laughs) off block. Done. I must say, I did find it a bit unrealistic that she is. She's only two months postpartum. And that, that for me was early it's very but i don't know i've i've never known a woman who at that stage in her life has gotten back into her sexual mojo where she's no. so horny she needs to be satisfied all the time or she feels deprived of satisfaction in the bedroom not at that stage postpartum exactly so the creator of the show is a woman but i will be she surprised if she's a mom exactly i'll be surprised okay. if she's a mom then there's another thing which you see in the first two episodes you'll know this by now is how the woman uh, the the protagonist billy gets off so often and so quickly um reaches climax by through mm. fingering fingering's overrated but, i'm just going to put it out there i'm just i'm it's not this is what pisses me off about the show we can really get stuck into really some great material and make it x-rated you know put (laughs) put the age uh uh, the 18 age restriction on there i don't like i'm i'm all for it but make it realistic let's get stuck into those postpartum feels now fuck that i (laughs) you're not you're doing women no favors and in fact you're doing men no favors because now they're all going to be fingering us thinking that we're getting off on that and that's just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're all going to be figures. Oh dear lord, no thank you. Yeah, donkey pass, big pass for me. <laughs> I got in my commentary though that this it's really a hot topic on Instagram right now. People are loving this show. It was number one on Netflix in South Africa just yesterday. Um, it it has done a similar thing for pop culture that Bridgerton did. 
Okay, on the Bridgerton note, if we're talking about fiction and being realistic, you mm. love Bridgerton. You enjoyed it. I, I, I didn't love it. No, I, oh, okay. I, I enjoyed it. I watched it. Um, okay. I'll watch season two, but I wasn't. Like, I loved it. Did, I loved it. But did you did you have the same gripes with unrealistic? Because let me let me point something out. This, if you haven't watched Bridgerton, sorry, spoiler alert. But this girl is very young and she's a virgin, and this is her first sexual experience with a very sexually experienced man. Yes, and she. They do what I do like about realistically, they do realistically depict that her first sexual penetrative sexual experience with this man is painful. They do show that she that there's discomfort, which I can appreciate because that's that's true. But she she climaxes. Yeah, and it's she, not she climaxes in her very first sexual experience. I don't know how many women that is true for. You know where the divide is for me. And it's hypocritical, I know. Like it's, I'm not the, the you know, what I say isn't the be-all and end-all of sort of erotic fiction or adult content. It's, it's really just my experience. Number one, I didn't relate to the protagonist in Bridgerton. Um, I found her yeah. very naive. I found her irritating. Um, and yeah, but I mean it's, I imagine it would be hard to relate to that character because it plays in a different time, a time that – Exactly. That, that, Bridgerton plays off in a time where things were very different. Bridgerton as well started out as body bodice ripping um, erotic fiction. It was a series of books that's been out for mm. a, for a while already, mm. and mm. I kind of saw it as such. And so when it's, when something purports to be erotic fiction, then then you can it's kind of more acceptable. So I'm watching television and I'm watching the series. It's 45 minutes an episode. Yes, it's adult content, but it's not. Is it designed to so that I to make me hearts under the collar so that I'm you know which is what adult fiction is is designed for. I suppose it can be many things, but I think what pisses me off the most about sex life is that I relate right now. I relate so much to the character. It's that uh, identity. It's that identity crisis you go through postpartum, which obviously she's going through. And there's a bit of betrayal through. in that. Yes, and there's I a bit just, of betrayal in the way some things are being depicted yes. because that's that is you, not you're my experience. Me in, yeah, you're drawing me in to make me feel this. But if I firstly, I'm not going to end up on a screen time with an ex of mine to begin with. A maybe that does happen, but I'm certainly not going to get excited over his huge dong. Mm. <laughs> Look, I, I I relate where she says in the very first episode she speaks about desire and how this is all about desire for her and feeling desired. Even in the trailer, mm. her husband walks right past her when he greets them. Mm. Where are my babies? Where's my beautiful girl? And he goes not to his wife but to his daughter and picks her up and yeah. kisses her. And then to his wife, it's like, a, oh hey, super. Those are super re- relatable things. But then you you have the fingering and the quick orgasms and the um the huge dong and you're just like no okay well now you've lost me and actually right. now you're not doing my story justice and that's probably what <laughs> pisses me off <laughs> <laughs> okay i hear you i hear you but look uh, so the the momming community has been really lapping up this adult content and it's it seems like it's a safe way for all of us to indulge in that sexier side without um I don't know, would you say regressing or progressing to hardcore porn? <laughs> like, 
yeah, I don't know because yeah, I, I don't with, go there. With, but without without deep diving into yes. hardcore pornography, I'd say that is a better way to put it. It's it just seems to be a safe release from the stressful new normal of. It's like vanilla porn, if I can it's put it that porn. way. It's like it very shouldn't vanilla. even be eighteen for me, and I'm very white bread and stuck up in my ways, you know. But <laughs> I don't know whether it should be. Um, P, oh, PG, it's not PG, well, rated 18. Anyways, R-rated, yeah, or R-rated, whatever it is. Yeah. So I, I do think that there is something, if there's a new wave of this content that women are leaning into, and I think that I would assume that it has a lot to do with um, where we're at right now in terms of our mental s- state amid COVID and the pandemic and recession and and just the ultimate stress of all of the heavy weighing negative stuff yeah this is this is light-hearted stuff and you know what it's it's shown because last year there was an increase in sales like a drastic increase in sales in the in the sex toy market Mm. which i mean there's a number of articles i'm looking at one now it's actually it's an actual survey but i mean it's been it's been reported that Sex toys made a huge comeback, mind the pun, <laughs> in 2020. Come C-O-M-E. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, look, we were all at home with our spouses or, or alone, like isolated, and, and we were needing something to do. And I suppose if you're single, you couldn't really see your boyfriend. Well, if yes. you're if you're not if you're single, if you're dating and you're not in a serious committed relationship where you live together or that kind of thing, then I mean you've got Zoom dates and you've got like sexting or you've got like video calling each other and getting it on maybe in the sexy outfit or whatever. You're 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 having to be creative. I think if you don't have children, you certainly are, I guess, bored enough at, at, at some point during lockdown. If you're not working and on the weekends you can't go out, there's only so much TV you can watch. And then I'm sure you get bored. So what do you do? You know, the other thing is if you're living together with a spouse or a partner, then and you don't have children, you've got plenty time to explore and just like be naked around the house. And just, you've, you've really got no responsibilities because you don't have anywhere you have to be at a certain time, except for when your work day, like on the weekends, it's not like, Oh, we have a birthday party to go to, or we have a dinner to get to or something like that. So there's no pressing deadlines. You had nowhere to go to. So yes. Then if you're married and you have children or you're in a committed relationship and you have children, then there you're shacked up all in the the four walls of your home. But how do you get alone time other than when your kids are sleeping? Yeah, and I think that's – look, I noticed it in my household, if I can speak um, outside of the bedroom, is that I – look, I was pregnant. Ray was stressed. The most mm. I've ever seen him stressed, and I and I don't I don't think I speak for for us alone. I think there are so many couples that that are like that. It's not even about getting time away from your kids or finding the time to be intimate. It's like finding the headspace, the headspace to, head space to get it. into mm. that space. We haven't lost mm. love for each other. We um, we we still like being around one another, but the. The energy was different, and it's because mm. of the weights of of the pandemic. And I want to touch mm. on something that I read. 
it wasn't like a hard news article or anything. I'm part of a very, it's like a, one of those secret Facebook groups. It's an international mm-hmm. group and it's, it's like a TMI thing where mm. people literally will put like the contents of their pimples up for other people to see. Or, oh, but, most of, but most of it is a sexual in nature where people just okay. are very open about their sex lives. And okay. very open about how they approach their partners with fantasies or um, how they have an open marriage or how they started having an open marriage. And I'm fascinated by the yeah, – I'm just a quiet observer. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't engage because I'm just like I'm really too white bread for these people. But I really <laughs> find it fascinating. And one woman in the group said, well, kudos to her and her husband – because they're in lockdown with their kids and um, they sort of give each other the nod if they, if they want to get themselves off. And so the woman will, the urge will come over the, the female partner and the man will be with the kids and she'll just be like, she'll give him the signal and he'll be like, no, cool, no, sort yourself out. And I'm going to go have some me she'll time. She'll go like, upstairs for her me time, get out her vibrator or whatever and do that and she'll offer him the same favor in return. And that what, that was a turning point for me just in the way that hmm. I view intimacy and sex in a marriage because the assumption is if you have a partner in the home, why would you be going at it alone? Exactly. And that subverts that assumption. And makes also makes it okay. And I was like, good for you. What I really for realizing like, you could think differently. What I really like about that scenario is that it's a two-way street. It's not a okay, my husband has an urge and I gotta just let me just keep looking at looking after the kids because I can't put out right now. So let him just go relieve himself. So so the pressure is gone of that. It's it's the pressure of that is off of me and he sorted out. And it's not that. It's not that I'm at your service. It's about we both have libidos and we both have needs and we can't. Maybe tonight when we get into bed and the kids are asleep, we can get it on. But for the time being now, I would like to go and just have some pleasure yes. <laughs> as me and, time. And if you love your Release spouse. Release those endorphins and the serotonin and everything that comes with it. If you love your spouse and you you in a committed relationship and you uh, you want that person to be happy and satisfied and the reality is with kids and the reality is with kids in your house 100% of the time, it's not always possible to find that connection or to have that release. And it's just the mindsets of that. It's not always about connection. Sometimes it's only about release. Sometimes it's about both. It's Mm. this um, scalable view of sex and satisfaction that fascinated me that I was like, okay, you know what? There's a lot of respect in that for me. It broadened my horizon. <laughs> is that a, is that a is that a, is it an international Facebook group? So that's people from other countries that comment there. Yes. Because I I don't know as a society in South Africa how open minded we are on that level. Because I genuinely and this is just my perception feel as though a woman's sexual pleasure is not really considered it's woman it's a it's okay for a man like if a if a guy masturbates it's kind of yeah well I mean that's what men do I don't think that as a society we believe or have given ourselves permission enough yet to say that women 
are also entitled to uh, experience pleasure uh, and for that matter, self-pleasure. No, I definitely think in our society, but in a lot of societies in the world, but definitely in South Africa, I think the self-pleasure aspect in women and the, the fact that women are allowed um, to to have any kind of relations outside of their marriage or their husband uh, is not considered. And especially moms. Yeah. Oh like, God. You're a mom now. Yeah. You're a mom now. You don't do even if, even <laughs> if by some miracle it was okay for you to self pleasure before you were a mom. Now you're a mom, and I mean you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, I also, you know what? What thoughts I've had now as well is so if you as a as a spouse as a woman uh, find out that your husband had masturbated, which is it's taught to our boys, you know, in sex ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. People, you know, it's made a, it's, it's, it's been normalized, should I put it that way? Mm-hmm. Yes, we joke about it, but masturbation has been normalized with our boys and, and men. And you kind of, I feel like. Because, you know, men have urges. Men have urges. Well, yeah, Women there's don't. blue men, balls. Men have. Do you know what yes. I mean? Yes. So yeah, exactly. if you as a wife find out, there is, I suppose, there would be a tendency if you catch him doing it that it's just like, but what about me? You know, I'm here. Am I not good enough? Am I anyway? not good enough? Is but by is the, it same, the same, same for a, if a man finds out that his woman or it, I suppose we'd have to ask men. I suppose we would have to ask them. And I think also that it touches on something we've discussed in one of our previous sexual health episodes when we spoke about toys and bringing toys into the bedroom when we when we interviewed Dr. Jurey Sarfontaine. We, I remember us saying that some women might feel awkward to bring it into, or how do you bring it into the bedroom without making your husband feel inadequate? Like what you have, your package is good enough. Like it's not that it's too small or too big or too whatever. It's not that it's inadequate. It's just that I also want to bring this into the bedroom for us to enjoy together, perhaps a toy, you know? So toys aren't only for going at it solo. Yeah, and I, I I do think we need to normalize that. I mean, I I can't speak for other couples. I'm fortunate enough to have a husband who likes exploratory play, and it's it's helped our relationship in a, in a big way. And look, we are going to be talking about our sponsor um, in a little bit. We're going to be reviewing some of the goodies that they sent us, speaking briefly on that, and kind of expanding on it on our website. We'll be hearing from them in a bit. Um, but I have I have been thinking a lot about uh, self pleasure after reading about that post on that on that Facebook group, and it's not a shocker that when a book that was called My Broken Vagina crossed my path, I was all over that business. I mean, you and I have been talking about it for for several months now. Not not the book itself, but just about different dynamics in sex with your husband. Um, and then this book came across my path and it eliminated the man altogether. Not to say that sex is eliminated from, from the equation, but it's, it was a focus. It was one woman's quest. This is what it's called. It's called My Broken Vagina, One Woman's Quest to Fix Her Sex Life and Yours. Sex life which delineated both her sexual relationship with herself and her sexual relationship with her partner. Um, but let me not say any more, Charlene, because guess what? What? The author of My Broken Vagina, <laughs> a 
Fran Bush is joining us today. Our next guest is Fran Bush, an award-winning comedian, writer and performer who has had sold-out runs at London's Soho Theatre and The Roadhouse. And she's also performed as a resident artist at several cool people theatres that, that we're too dorky to know about. <laughs> Fran's multi-award winning play Ad Libido has a highly successful run at Vault Festival and her sketch comedy show The Diary of My Broken Vagina was a hit comedy blap on the UK's Channel 4. This formidable woman has written features for The Guardian, Cosmopolitan, Metro, and she's been a guest on BBC Radio 4's Women's Hour. She's also written a book based on the diary of her broken vagina, and she joins us now to chat about said vagina. Welcome, Fran. Hi, thank you for having me to talk about vaginas. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> I'm so excited. I've never been so excited to talk about vaginas. How many how many times do you think we can say the word vagina during this podcast? As many as 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 makes um, my in-laws uncomfortable and and normalizes it for women or for people who have vaginas. Exactly. Vagina, 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 vagina. <laughs> and vulva. I feel like vulva doesn't get it's, a lot yes, of time. Yes, does not get vulva the airtime it needs. More. Yeah. Yes. Vulva. Clitoris, clitoris <laughs> as well. There's lots. An- anus, let's anus, get anus let's in there while we're on why it. Why not? Why not? Fran, tell us more about you. Who are you? What do you do? And why have you written a book about your vagina and your vulva and your clitoris? <laughs> All of my collective genitals. Um, I'm Fran. I am a comedian and a writer. I used to write about all kinds of things that were nothing to do with my vagina. I think because I thought no one would want to hear about it because sometimes when you say the word vagina, people go, oh, oh no, oh no, please, please stop talking about your <laughs> lady bits. Um, <laughs> and uh, but, but what actually happened was I wasn't talking about the kind of sex that you read a lot about in magazines or sometimes see in films like where everyone's having an amazing time they're sweating the perfect amount everyone <laughs> comes number one everyone comes yes. uh, and number quickly. two they come at the same time yeah. looking yeah. in each other's eyes like just Bullshit. perfectly, <laughs> perfectly <laughs> synchronized um I was talking about sex that was painful um I was talking about sex sometimes not even wanting to have sex. I was talking about the fact that actually I wasn't, my sex life wasn't mirroring what I was seeing in films. It wasn't what I was reading about or even hearing friends talk about. Um, I was finding it really hard to orgasm. It felt a million miles away. And I felt like I was telling this tiny secret when I was writing my book and making a comedy show about it. And I didn't think anyone would agree. I thought it would be a big joke and everyone would be like, ha, 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 Fran's vagina is a a bit rubbish. Um, (laughs) But what happened was people started nodding, you know, and laughing, but in a way that was like... In agreement. Also me, yeah. Like, I can relate. Yes, and like, not just women, 
men as well, um, people going home after watching my shows and having the first conversation about sex, first honest conversation about sex that they have ever had as a couple, um, because we just don't talk about it, mm. do we? When, when sex isn't what we expect it to be, or if we are having a difficult time in our sex life, it's such a secret. Yes, it's, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of shame attached. There's a lot of stigma attached. And we are here to talk about it and to destigmatize it. And here to chat more about your book because it is so, um, it's, it's a revelation for me. And I'm, I'm quite fond of my vagina. You know, I don't, I don't have the worst relationship with my vagina. And so I, I am going to buy a copy for every one of my girlfriends and possibly their husbands and just be like, just familiarize yourself with this content. It is just so well told and um, raw, funny, emotional, and inf like really informative. You slip in so seamlessly, you slip in facts. There are footnotes. I'm just like, how? In this day and age, did, did you write something exciting that has footnotes? But <laughs> it's there. It's there. And I, yeah, I can't rave enough about this, this book. But Fran, it started out, um, what, as a, as a, as a stand-up show? Uh, and, yeah. and then, I mean, it was quite unconventional the way you've gone about this. First you did a stand-up show. Then you did a, sort of a TV comedy um, thing and tell us how that panned out and, and why eventually you came to just sort of pin it down and get it published. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought, I, I didn't think anyone would want to come and see it when I started doing it on stage. And then people kept coming and kept coming and bigger and bigger conversations started happening. And suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a creative and a writer, but suddenly I felt like a sex educator because I had found this subject that people just weren't talking about, but they really wanted to, to, to yeah. talk about it because it was almost like they'd had something they were hiding under the bed and they, for the first time, were able to say it out loud. And so at the end of every show, I would hand out these little cards because I would get this tidal wave of people wanting to talk and I'd just done a show, so I, I couldn't talk to everyone who'd come to see it. But the cards said, uh, dear 16-year-old me at the top. And on those cards, people could write down one thing that they wish they had known about sex or their bodies or just life at 16. Um, just because people wanted to put that energy somewhere, they, they needed to speak about it. And we get so many comments like, um, you know, things like, I wish I hadn't overplucked my eyebrows. <laughs> I, I, I wish that I had stood up to this boyfriend and told him that I was more important than his PlayStation, like kind of things like that came up. But what came up mostly um, was about consent, like knowing that you could say no. I think so many people didn't know that. Um, knowing that it was okay to explore their bodies, like wishing that they had done that themselves first rather than waiting for a partner to explore their bodies. Things like pubic hair, right? Like the <laughs> amount of people who just spent so much time worrying whether they've done the right thing or the wrong thing about their pubic hair. Um, 
And that takes up a lot of energy. Like I'm, I'm 34 and I've written a book about sex and vaginas and still I'm always worrying about pubic hair, you know, like, is it, <laughs> is it too much? Is it going to be in between their teeth? Like, is it, is it like parted correctly? Does it look bountiful or too much or too little? Um, anyway, like when, when I realized how, how big this need to talk about it was, I kept writing about it. Um, and then, I mean, I, I started writing it for TV and we, we made a short just to see how that would go, how people would respond to it, because still very much the, the people that are in power, the people with the money are very worried about the word vagina. The, you know, the is, people with penises. Yeah, <laughs> there's a real penis fear um, about saying the word vagina. Will it be shocking? Will they lose viewers? Mm. You know, will people turn over to a nice show about cookery? <laughs> um, where people are suggestively slicing a sausage and, uh, you know, eating a lovely bit of seafood that looks maybe a little bit like a vulva, but, you know, we never, we never say those words. Um, <laughs> And then actually, I guess the, the pandemic happened. And so television sort of went on ice, stopped happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still really wanted to speak about this and felt like it needed to be spoken about. And so the book, the book happened instead because b- books were still happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. And, and in that, I mean, there's such a journey from, from TV and, um, and sort of outwardly talking about it and the inward journey that a book takes you on. And you actually mention it in the book itself um, in, in terms of sex and, and educating yourself about sex or, or, you know, sexuality in that you, you speak about porn, you know, which is often visual for all of us. It's visual for men. But and then you also talk about um, sort of uh, what do you call it erotic fiction, erotic fiction and writing it and and that journey. So that it's it's super interesting for me that I think people and I think women are, would be more comfortable first starting out reading about it in private, writing about it in private, reading about it in private, and then venturing out. Well, Charlene and I have long past that. We've been talking with each other about it for a, for the longest time and, and it's nice to have that space but for people starting out I think I think a book is the way to go I really do mm. and I, this journey that you take the the reader on starts um mm. next to a man next to a man who there are many men in your life who have had who've assumed that they have a magic penis <laughs> yes that they can fix all of your problems. Some of them sweet, some of them not so sweet. The journey starts out next to next to someone, and eventually you go out alone. I don't, I don't, I don't want to give away too much. I want people to read the book, but what I do want is to journey with with the reader, with our listeners. I want, I want to take them in because you decided to go to the doctor. What made you decide to go to the doctor? And can you take us there? I'd love it if you could read read aloud that part, so it, it, set the scene for us, let us know what, where you were at the time, what your thinking was, what took you away from the, 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 the men or the man with the, the magic penis and eventually landed you up in 
that doctor's office? Yeah, so I had heard that your 30s were meant to be your sexual prime, The right? dirty 30s, yeah. Yeah, the dirty 30s, that, um, that men's sexual peak was somewhere in their teens, but women came into full blossom of constant orgasms, just, you know, coming every five minutes, basically, just gushingly wet all the time, um, <laughs> moaning as we walked. Every surface we touch, we're like, oh. <laughs> Which no, is so no, funny. Need- it's so funny because that's, uh, that's our childbearing years too. Yeah. It's a disconnect, yeah. yeah. It really is. We're, we're meant to be everything, right? We're meant to, to be everything to everyone all the time. And um, so I, I was about to turn 30 and I realized that I – I hadn't been enjoying sex. I've been faking enjoyment. I've become pretty good at faking enjoyment. I was making all the right noises, all the right oohs and ahs, and putting my hands in my hair. And like I'd really, I'd really well observed what it looked like to orgasm well. Because I was worrying about my partners, you know, I was I was thinking, are they having a nice time? as long as they're having a nice time, I guess that means I'm having an okay time, always putting them central. Not wanting to make them feel inadequate that they can't pleasure you. It's not their fault. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because uh, my my partner who I was with just before I turned 30, when I was honest with him, um, he just, he thought it was his penis. He was like, you know, I, I, is it is it my penis? And <laughs> Um, Sorry for laughing. No. It's so typical. It's so typical. Yes, my friend, it's always about you. (laughs) Well, that's it. And, you know, you've had this really uh, intimate moment where you said to someone, actually, look, I'm not enjoying sex. I'm actually finding it quite painful. Um, And I, you know, I'd, I'd really like to work on it. And suddenly you're consoling someone else because they're like, but I thought I had a really good penis. I thought I had the best, <laughs> the best penis. I've made all the other women orgasm. And you're like, uh-huh. And I try uh-huh. really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please praise my penis. Um, and so, um, so that relationship ended up it came to an end because I was honest about sex because sex is really wrapped up in our egos, right? It's um, there is a feeling of pride, particularly for people with penises. I think this idea that, you know, you have to have rock hard erections for hours and be able to satisfy everyone with a vagina. And like, that's a lot of pressure on them Mm. as well. There's a lot of pressure on everyone. So I was entering my 30s and I wanted to have this big sexual awakening. But I, I'd been to the doctors about it in the past. I'd been ever since I was 16 when I lost my virginity. I, well, I was trying to lose my virginity. I, I, I couldn't for a really long time. I was finding it too painful. Um, and every time I'd been to the doctors about it, I felt like, it was a bit of a luxury problem. So my legs weren't broken. I, you know, wasn't at death's door. I was just finding sex painful and not enjoyable. And somehow I just felt unheard by doctors and not listened to. And it had even taken so much courage 
to turn up at the doctors and say the word vagina. You know, as a teen in my 20s, I'd gone there and been like, okay, you're going to say this word. Oh, it's a scary <laughs> one. And um, like just worrying that I would get into the room with them and panic and just be like, I've got a Veruca instead and just, <laughs> you know, lose, lose all confidence. And I figured, you know what, I'm, I'm in my, I'm, in my thirties now I am a I'm a grown-up and maybe it's time that I went back to the doctors and I was a little bit more assertive so this this section of the book is about my visit to the doctors in my thirties let me set the scene I'd overthought absolutely every detail to make sure I didn't panic, get flustered, panic, stutter over my words, panic, or worse, say nothing at all. I was wearing clothes that oozed grown-up, mature woman who is comfortable and familiar with her body, dungarees, and the pa- and female power anthems were blaring out of my headphones. Shakira would never have a problem saying vagina to a doctor. <laughs> This was the year that a doctor would listen to me and together we'd fix this problem once and for all. On my journey there, I practiced the sentence I was going to say over and over. So it was deeply embedded in my muscle memory. Hello, my name is Fran and I'm here to fix my broken vagina. Hi, Ms. Bush here. I'm here to fix my vag. A good morrow to ye, fine medics. I am Francis Bush, and I'm here about ye oldie vagina. (laughs) Feeling like a confident, powerful woman, I swished my hair in slow motion as I entered the crowded surgery and signed in. There had been a big emergency that morning, which meant doctors were running late and patients were fidgety and uneasy. It gave me a lot of time to overthink everything even further. My brain. What words should I use? I probably shouldn't call it just sex. Uh, I should call it full penetrative sex or intercourse uh, coitus. Slap and tickle, bonking, a banging, a making love, making whoopee, a making the beast with two backs. Um, <laughs> Should I call it libido or sex drive? Or should I let them know the true extent of the Googling I've already done? Will my vulva be sweaty from all the power walking I've done en route? Should I go (laughs) and splash down my vulva in the downstairs patient toilet? Uh, I don't want to miss my appointment because I'm too busy splashing my vulva. (laughs) Everyone else in the waiting room had visible or audible signs of illness broken arms, stitches, spluttering coughs. I felt they must all be looking at me, wondering what on earth was wrong with me. My brain. Maybe I should leave. I'm not ill or sick, so why, shouldn't, why should I waste a doctor's time? Someone could be dying in the waiting room while I'm complaining about not having a good time between the sheets. I should cancel my appointment and give space to people who are really unwell. I'm not really unwell. I just want one little thing to be a little bit better. It's nothing major. Oh, friend. I'm, I'm going to stop you there. That's, I mean, it's, mm, that's it's hilarious. It's, it's, 
this is what I love about comedy is it it um, softens the blow of very real issues, and you did it so well. And it, that that inner dialogue of oh my god, I don't know if I can do this. Okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But it's so it's so funny. It is you. You are so pinpoint with with the way that you write, but also let's talk about this taboo of a woman's pleasure. And for me, this includes self-pleasure. You mm-hmm. felt that your problem was not big enough. And I wish that I could tell our listeners that the doctors sat you down and said, this is a very real issue. Let's sort you out. But did that happen, Fran? <laughs> No, it did not. Um, I got told to go home and have a glass of wine. Mm. Um, I got told. Oh, so you're uptight. You need to relax. That's yeah, lovely. That's so it, nice. Adding alcohol to a situation where sex is going to happen is always a brilliant mm. idea, mm. right? Um, I was told to go out and have more sex, just to just to do it more in almost yeah. like. Um, Push through the pain. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. If, if you put a penis in enough, it, you'll mold to its shape, right? That's yeah, you just need a good works. dicking down. Then you'll get over what your problem is. It's yeah. all in your head. Yeah, I definitely got told it was all in my head a lot of times. Um, the thing that was quite scary was that if I spoke about my partner, suddenly it was taken more seriously. So if I was like, actually, it's upsetting my partner, suddenly the doctors are like, oh, my goodness. What the hell? But yeah, think oh, about it, Charlene. That's, it's, it's believable. It is believable. If I say I'm having a problem with my libido, they're like, okay, Sam, but, you know, there are bigger things in this world. There's COVID. Don't you know? Yes. If yes. I say my marriage is going to fall apart because I'm not pleasing my husband and our sex life is bad, people will sit up and and take me more seriously. I will sit up and take me more seriously. If I say that, then sex becomes an important issue. If it's because you aren't personally getting the enjoyment, it's easier, I feel like, for our society to tell you to get over it. I hear you, but that doesn't make it right. No, I I agree, uh-huh. which is why we are here talking about this. Good Lord, that just <laughs> makes me angry. The the other thing as well, which I guess like might be interesting for, for you and your listeners, is that um, I was also taken slightly more seriously if they thought the sex was for procreation, right? If they thought that I wasn't able to have sex, but I wanted to have a baby, they were suddenly like, oh my goodness, well, I suppose you are just a walking womb. So <laughs> yes, yes. Um, we need to get you sorted so that little machine can start working. Yeah, absolutely. And I know from my friends that that level of care doesn't always extend beyond conception. So like any kind of sex advice for pregnant women or women who have had babies just dries up and disappeared. They never have inspections that are anything to do with their vagina being okay for sex or good advice about when it actually is okay to have sex again and how to negotiate Mm. that. Um, But that one moment of, oh, well, are you, are you trying to have a baby? Then this, this probably is a problem um, is the most seriously I ever felt taken by a doctor. Um, Cause suddenly my fertility, right. My fertility Mm. was on the table as well. And that I guess was something 
doctors also just aren't trained to have a lot of these conversations um, and are traditionally can be quite uncomfortable having them. Um, male and female doctors, mm. I would say it's, uh, and so it's much easier for them if they can pathologize it, you know, if they can be like, well, this is, this is, a I suppose bring it back to a is... medical issue rather than a <laughs> pleasure Spiritual. issue. Yes. Yeah. That's what said, about sexologists? Though? Oh yeah. What about sexologists? Um, yeah, I mean, so in the UK, that's something that you would have to pay quite a lot of money for. for. Okay. Um, so I guess the, the thing is that I feel like sexual health is... <laughs> if you're not wealthy, you're not allowed to enjoy sex. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, uh, 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 shit out of luck, honey. <laughs> Only is. if you're wealthy can you get help with your broken vagina. <laughs> Which is not not untrue for our country as well. No, if you're paying true, top dollar for a great um, medical a aid package, it's a specialist that you that you go to. But also a medical aid won't approve, won't pay out of medical aid rates. They won't. They won't cover a sexologist because well, all specialists only get covered o- out of your savings portion of your medical aid. Unless, Charlene, that, that sexologist is uh, an MD, which we, we do have. Oh, but right, I think yes. it would I think it would also depend. I do th- I do think the same is true. I I'd, I'd, I'd like to check up on that and maybe we should for our listeners, but I do mm, think the mm, same mm. is true that that um Going to a sex, seeing a, a therapist or a sexologist um, to help you with those specific problems will cost you, but I, I would need to check up on that fact. Fran, you do yeah. you you intersperse your your dialogue and your your story with stories from very real people, which I appreciate as well that you say they're binary, non-binary, male, female, gay or straight, or or pansexual, or you know you. You add in snippets and anecdotes to show that sex is is so diverse. It's not just one or the other. It's not, and and you speak at length about penetrative sex, and mm. the the problem with virginity, guys, listeners. There is so much to to talk about here. That, but I, I do want to steer readers to read the book. I I want to though talk about um the fact that you did find. Um, some kind of solace in, but in your own research, and in meeting mm. people who eventually talk to you about vaginismus and the different stages of vag- vaginismus. Uh, your research into uh, what is it called? Female uh, disf- sexual dysfunction. Yeah, the, the sexiest of all the dysfunctions. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> baby, stop which it. Is, which is fascinating. I do. I and there's there's so much. Yeah, there's such uh, the content is so rich, and again, just cloaked in in amazing comedy. But there's a part um, that I recently got to. It's, it's still fresh in my mind. That was like, okay, this is not funny anymore. This was a moment. I, I had initially asked you to to read it, but I actually want our readers to read it. I want mm-hmm. I want people to go to go there. But eventually, Charlene, Fran goes to a sex camp. Okay. Which I thought was gonna be like a like our church camps where you like go into sessions and it's all very formal and that and 
Fran? Oh, no, that, that's not what I get if you say sex game. That's, that's what I thought because, I mean, I'm the more vanilla out of us two, right? So, <laughs> of course, I would think, okay, it's going to be a very informative sit like, a table sexual health seminar. Theory. Mm. No, 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 no. That's not what I got. <laughs> Fran, tell us what, what it was like. You went to sex camp. What was it? And you went alone. Yeah, I did. I did. And I guess, like, I mean, that was the other part of this. So where, you know, as we were just saying about doctors taking you more seriously when you're in a relationship. So I entered my 30s as a single woman. Um, and I wanted to discover more about myself and my body. Um, but I was on my own. And because I had found sex difficult and I also, I think I had lots of ideas about what it meant to have one night stands and what it meant, what kind of girl that made me. Like if I was like ideas from school, right. About being that kind of girl. And society, you're trashy, you're trash. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I know in my head that that is not true, but it is so deeply ingrained in there this feeling of like doing the the walk of shame home afterwards or um, even asking someone out, you know, being the, as the, the female, woman doing yeah, that. the woman asking. Mm. There's still even stigma around that, which. I Are mean, you that desperate or can't you, you obviously can't find anyone that you have to, you have to pose the, the question or the invite. Yeah, <sighs> absolutely. And so I was in my thirties being like, well, how do I do this? How do I explore my body? outside of a relationship um and so I and yeah I found this sex camp uh and it was I mean I booked initially for four days and um arrived on my own pretty terrified I was just gonna say were you feeling excited or as, as, I mean, that, that must be so brave. Yeah. Well, brave. yeah. I, I thought I'd really hit a wall, you know. I, mm. I didn't it know was, what to do. Do or die. <laughs> yeah, because doctors had been no help at all. Every man that I spoke to about it was like, hmm, you've tried some penises, but you haven't tried my penis. Mm. Um, and so made themselves the cure. Even you know, my friends still weren't really talking about how their sex lives really were because there is this pride. And also if they're in relationships, which a lot of my friends are in their thirties, that saying that you're not having a good time in bed sometimes feels like you are saying that your partner isn't good at sex, right? Yeah. And you're betraying your partners. Yeah. Yeah. There's this like intimacy and confidence that you're like, I don't know whether I can break that. Um, And so my stories, you know, I was talking about the sex I was having with my friends and they were almost becoming funny anecdotes like as you know Fran having more bad sex and it's funny for a while but then you're also like this is my life and my vagina I need to go somewhere where I can just actually talk about this and it not be a problem Mm -mm. and so because I think also like a lot of, of we should be entitled to have medical care for these things but also so much of sex is sort of seen as weirdly spiritual isn't it and it's kind of lives in this uh you've got to go into a meditative state to fully access the orgasmic flow 
and I'm very cynical and skeptical. Like I'm quite rational in lots of ways. And I was like, actually, you know what? I haven't, I haven't accessed that part of me. I haven't tried and I'm willing by this point, you know, I'd, I'd put a vagina crystal in. I'd, you know, I'd really tried lots of things. You went to, the, the Gwyneth Paltrow Yoni egg route. I did. I, I got a, I got a Yoni egg, uh, <laughs> stuck in my vagina um and had to, to birth it essentially um, oh <laughs> because I just yeah no one the instructions were really bad I didn't get mine from Gwyneth hers were very expensive um <laughs> just got mine off of Amazon <laughs> um, and there were no real instructions like proper proper instructions so I was just desperate for something uh to to shifts to change and so sex camp was workshops lots of workshops about connecting you to your body to your mind to your breast to your partner uh, to multiple partners lots of people were there in like large polyamorous um I was gonna say organizations but groups, <laughs> groups yeah <laughs> organizations <laughs> it was all very formal um and, uh, you know, the, the workshops ranged from things as simple as like eye contact, like looking into people's eyes and hugging and just being able to be like still and present. Because one of the main things for me about sex is that my mind just races, right? I find it so hard to be present with my partner. I'm mm. going, oh God, oh, is he having a nice time? was that grunt he just made a, a good grunt or a bad grunt or how close is he from coming? Uh, do I need to go faster or slower? Um, uh, what should I do with my life? Um, <laughs> where are my keys? You know, and I'm, I'm there and I'm, I'm there, but I'm not there at all. Um, and so, yeah, I, one thing I guess that it's really important to say about sex camp is that there was no penetrative sex allowed allowed um it was forbidden <laughs> uh and I like I knew about all the other kinds of sex but in my head they had always been like the run-up yeah initiative sex they had always been the warm-up act the thing we did before the actual sex yeah bit, yes like the, the opening sex. show to the main act yes yeah like your starter um then your your main course is penetration and then maybe like this and some spooning for dessert afterwards maybe like a little chat um and so with penetration just taken right off the menu as it were I had to discover other ways to have sex and I realized that I just spent from like age 16 to 30 trying to have sex in a way that didn't really work for me. Mm -hmm. I just had been banging my head and loads of other body parts against this <laughs> like, brick wall of penetrative sex because it was the only kind of sex I was ever taught about, really. Everything no, else. Because that's the ultimate goal. That is, that's really what it's about. That's the thing. Yeah, that and again, is. that comes down to sex really only being taught for 
procreation rather than pleasure, mm. right? There was no mention of pleasure in any of my sex education. And let, let's just um, clarify that the, for our listeners, um, we're talking about penetrative sex. We mean penis and vagina sex. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. also our sex education did not extend to homosexuality, did not extend mm. to foreplay. And, and it's so problematic here. And masturbation or, or self-pleasure at all. Yeah. At all. It's so problematic even the the focus of the concept of virginity. When do you lose your virginity? When you get fingered for the first time? When you mm. finger yourself? When you Because you can have an orgasm. If, if you think of penetrative sex as the only time that you can lose your virginity, penis in vagina, then lesbians, have they never lost their virginity? Do mm. you lose your virginity when you bring yourself to orgasm, when you touch yourself? It is so problematic to look at these things in black and white the way that we have been for so many years yeah and the if you ask most people with vaginas how they masturbate it is from touching their clitoris right that is the biggest way in most studies how people bring themselves to orgasm and then I think also in there is like humping against things rubbing yourself against things but having something actually inside you is is always really far down the list of how women bring themselves on their own to orgasm. Um, and yet we then pin a lot of our hopes on sexual satisfaction from this thing that we rarely do for, for ourselves. We rarely put something inside ourselves to, to feel pleasure. And I'd never really seen that disparity before. I'd never realized that like, oh, the thing the thing that I do for me, I do like this. But this thing, I'm expecting it to work in a way that I never, I never do. Um, and obviously like there are other things at play there. Like when you're having sex with someone with a penis and you've got a vagina, there's a, there's a connection Thing, but like also a lot of the sex I had been having was over when my partner came like that signal the end of sex that was the finale yeah, you know that was the, the fireworks the, yes 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 <laughs> and so uh and and then they were sometimes knackered and so you were like well I suppose we all just go to sleep now yeah. thanks um, for that <laughs> And also, like, they, they weren't taught anything different either. Like, so I, it's really rubbish that I had to do my sex education in my 30s. But a lot of that happened at sex camp because people were just able to talk about it. People were having conversations about sex whilst eating a risotto. People were having conversations about sex whilst just doing some stretches on the grass. And so most of the things I learned, you know, it, it wasn't huge, big events. It was just conversations and um, little moments where I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that does make sense. A lot resonated mm. with, you, with you in that moment. Fran, you're talking about sex camp. The way that you frame it now, that you've been there, is it's so normalized, which I love, but it had been quite shocking for you. You, you had to 
take a few deep breaths before you went into the sauna. Um, and that was just like a very preliminary moment. You went into a sauna. You you had to go in without your clothes on. It was it was not just women. There were men there as well. And I can just admit, like, I'm very vanilla. You don't know that wow. about me. But uh, that would be hard even, for me. It would even be hard for Charlene, who is not as vanilla. <laughs> then you, th- there's a, what was it, the love lounge? You have mm. not yet entered the love lounge uh, by day okay. two. You've, you've stayed over. You went to bed fairly early. The rest of your dormitory was in the love lounge. You were not. We still don't know what the love lounge is at this point. But the next day you have breakfast and everybody's kind of letting loose with the icebreaker of dancing and nothing's really going on time. And A-type fans going, this was supposed to start at 10.30 and it's now 10.45, what? <laughs> and um, then they, they get going with the workshops and you're not sure which workshop to go to. They all sound very daunting. They sound daunting to me when you list them in the book. And mm. you go to one of the leaders at the camp and – they tell you go to the consent workshop. And here is I was in tears reading this part this morning where you are partnered with someone. For most of the workshops, I believe you, that sounds like you partnered with someone, which yeah. is which is quite daunting going there alone. You're not going there with a partner. You and and up until now, sex has happened in in partnership with someone. Um so you, you get partnered with this man. And it's about consent and you're talking through and it, it needs to be a, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Thing. So what happens in in that moment and what what realization do you come to? So, I mean, my consent education had probably up to that point been even worse than my sex education. And I mean, ideally those two things come together and uh, I'd only ever thought about consent in very extreme cases about like not getting myself into a horrible situation and not getting myself too drunk where I I am not able to say no those are the kind of things I've been taught about I've been taught about not basically not getting myself into a a, dangerous yeah compromising situation yes exactly that could potentially end up in a court of law right where we all know that women are very rarely listened to and the prosecution rate is terrible. Mm. So it had all, consent had all been around fear and be careful, be careful, be careful. And I hadn't really, so I went to this consent workshop and they spoke about just really tuning into what you actually want to happen to your body, to have done to your body, but also like what you are willing to do. And I had never thought about that at all before. I had gone into situations, sexual situations, and I had let things happen to my body, whether or not I wanted them to or not. I had never felt like I had been able to say no. I think a lot of it because I was just grateful to be able to have sex at all because it had been so difficult to begin with. Um, But also uh, being afraid that saying what I actually wanted would be laughed at or seen as stupid 
um, or rejected and what that would feel like. We're not, we're not taught to have those difficult conversations. And so, yeah, I was, I was partnered with someone and they, they told me what they wanted me to do to them. Um, and, and this wasn't uh, a very sexual workshop. It was very simple. Uh, and he wanted to touch my breasts and I, I didn't want that at all. Um, so I sort of compromised and I was like, oh, I tell you what, you can touch, you can give me a shoulder massage. That's, that's the thing. I'll have a, a shoulder massage. But even that really wasn't what I wanted because in him saying, I'd like to touch your breasts, I'd gone, oh no, like, oh, I don't want that at all. And so I'd compromised with the shoulder massage and he started giving me the shoulder massage. And you know, when you're just, you can feel that you don't want something and you kind of harden. And in that moment, I just sort of thought about all of the times, like in the bedroom and also like out of the bedroom as well, that I have put my needs and my wants secondary to someone else. Like the amount of times that I've been at work and someone has done something a bit inappropriate. And because I want to keep my job, I won't say anything. Um, the amount of times that I'll be like hit on or catcalled when I'm out and about. And I will make myself less and smaller and less vocal, quieter. And that just over time, like how much that not feeling I can say either yes or no and actually mm. mean it, mm. how passive I had become over time. Um, and then this, the, the man in this workshop, he put his hand under my top. And so he, we'd made this very clear, a lot of it was about boundaries and what we wanted and what we didn't want. He put his hand under my top. After because you had said, like, let's compromise, I'm not comfortable with that. It's a whole workshop on consent, and he did yeah, not honor that. He didn't. Um, did he get kicked out? What happens? Is there like a bouncer that kicks his ass and shoves him out of the workshop? Well, no. I mean, because even, even when that happened, even when we were in a, a workshop about consent, and I, we, you know, for the first time had articulated sort of what I had wanted, even though I had compromised and then he had very clearly broken that, I still felt a bit like it was my fault and my responsibility. So I sort of ended up looking after him almost because I was like, well, I don't want to ruin his weekend. Experience, yeah. If I tell the person leading the workshop that this has happened, will he get kicked out? What if this is the only like thing that makes him happy? I'd completely taken on the responsibility of like looking after his experience and I just realized that that was that was what I was doing in so many of my sexual experiences because if I if I say no to something and they react badly that shouldn't matter it, it shouldn't but when I say no mm. to something and and they react badly I was being like it's oh I'm so sorry it's it's, uh, it's my fault. Here are my breasts. They'll make things better, like trying to really build them back up. Mm. And so, and yeah, I guess like 
we are not taught to advocate for ourselves. And I realized just the amount of sex that I'd had that I hadn't entirely wanted that had been to check a relationship is okay. Like if we don't have sex tonight, then is there maybe something's wrong in our relationship? Are you going to be mad at me? Yeah. Or like we, we've just had an argument. I suppose we should have sex to, to heal things or um, like maintenance sex, I guess, you know, just, I'm, I'm have it for the tired. sake of having it yes yeah, yeah otherwise like, it's three weeks and we haven't had it and yeah we should probably yeah. do then, it now when yeah, when there might be something else ha- happening yeah there's this fear um, even as a married woman um that if you don't and you are decidedly unfun that he will leave you for someone more fun yeah yeah and I was feeling that even as young as you know, my teenage years, when I was first, you know, I was very, very in love with my first ever boyfriend. We were so in love. Um, and I really struggled to have penetrative sex. It was like a brick wall. I it just, it wasn't happening. And the, the main reason that I kept trying and trying and trying and trying was because I thought he was going to leave me with for someone with a more spacious vagina. I thought he was going to be like, okay, well, I guess, I guess um, all these other people probably have more room down there. <laughs> which Jeez. is not, which is not the case, um, especially for anybody who knows about vaginismus. Um, and, and, and there's this, I mean, there's so much, there's so much that women need to, to learn about and speak about and I'm so grateful for your book that, that that you are doing this. So thank you. And thanks for for being so vulnerable, not only on this podcast, but in your writing and, and in your mm-hmm. your work. Fran, we, we are going to wrap up, but I want your take. We are reviewing some of the best-selling toys from our top six toy retail, online retailer, Matilda's in the country. It's decidedly unsmutty is what I love about it. It, it doesn't feel like a seedy hole that you go to in the middle of town. It uh, And so we, Charlene and I are reviewing um, some gifts that were sent to us and we have an opinion, but we'd like to know what a favorite toys of yours might, what a favorite toy of yours might be, whether it's solo or, um, mm-hmm. you know, sort of couples play or, or more than couples play. But um, yeah, what's, I I the I want to I don't want to be preemptive, but um, you don't mention toys or toy play um, a lot. Not even masturbation until the very uh, later chapters. So Fran, now Fran, looking back to her sixteen-year-old self, tell that Fran about your favorite toy. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah, I I didn't really use them at all. Um, and then when I first did, I was still using something that looked very much like a penis, you know, it might as well have had big throbbing veins on it. Like it still looked like a penis. Um, and now, I mean, it's taken a really long time and I'm in a really fabulous relationship now where we can talk about these things and the sex toys are literally on the bedside table um, or like just underneath it. So they're there with like a good lubricant as well, which is another huge thing that was revelatory for me. I didn't use for years because I thought it was something you used if you were all like desert-like dried mm-hmm. up. 
Yeah, and it just makes everything better. Um, and even if you don't have any kind of sexual dysfunction or pain, like it just makes things better. Um, so I, I mean, I switch between three or four. I have, I have one that's like a, like a kind of vibrating pebble, like a rumbling pebble. Um, I have uh, like a clitoris suction, like a satisfier. Um, I have, I do now own a massive wand. Um, <laughs> it's really large. <laughs> Um, that's, that's the most difficult one to fit on the bedside table. (laughs) Has its own drawer. But you have, you have fun with them, Fran. It sounds like you're, you're mixing it up. Yeah, absolutely. This is what I want to open our listeners up to. I'm, I'm not assuming that our listeners aren't, but you know, there, there is so much out there. So if you are uh, struggling in, in, a, in a similar way or you're not feeling yourself, just know that there's a whole world out there and it's not shameful and it's fun and it's, you know, and it's, it's for, for when you're by yourself and it's for, for having fun with your partner. And yeah. The- I, think that, I think what I'm really getting from this conversation as well, and I, I mean, I cannot wait to read this book. And when I do, I'm going to have a field day discussing it with Sam. <laughs> um, but I think what I'm hearing from what's being said here, there's a, there's a little golden thread here. I think once we give ourselves permission and discount that, that idea that society and what we are educated as youngsters on to, to, if we give ourselves permission to to be allowed to experience pleasure as as females, then and it's not just for procreation; it's not just a practical thing that we do. Then the rest of the things that are available to us, like uh, toys for self pleasure or masturbation of any kind, or what we would essentially call foreplay, all of those things become more accessible because its purpose is pleasure. And we're allowed pleasure. It's not. It's not sinful. It's not frowned upon. It's not. You're doing something wrong. It's not something that you should be hiding in the dark with. We're allowed those things. And, and sexual health is not just for practical. I mean, that's why it's called sexual health. Sex isn't just a practical thing for procreation or for being of service to a man or being of service to your partner regardless of gender. Mm. Well put. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Charlene. (laughs) Fran, you've got a show that you're busy with now, Ad Libido, which we sadly cannot see in person. I hate that. Let's go to London, I'm bummed about that. (laughs) Tell us about the stand-up show and tell us about what you are working on next. Is there another book in in the future? Um, well, yeah, so the uh, the stand-up show is a return of, of my original show. Um, and it's interesting because I guess I've been doing this kind of work for four years now. And, you know, my sex life has changed in four years. The, mm. That's so the end of the stage show is actually very different to the end of the book. Um, there was a, a really large um, portion of time where I was doing my stage show 
And I was on stage being like, get out there, have great sex, touch yourself, explore your bodies. And I was going home and I was having sex that was distanced and non-communicative. And and like, I really realized that I was not practicing what I preached. And I was in a relationship where I felt like I couldn't say that. So I guess it also just like really worth saying that these things are never linear. Like mm. I was literally on stage saying explore your bodies and I was going home and I wasn't doing it um so yeah just like how much our bodies change week to Mm. week during our cycle at different points different seasons of our life even yeah yeah I was just gonna say I mean once you also once you become a mom for not all of the obvious reasons that you're exhausted and breastfeeding and all of those things but your your little I don't know what it is your physiological makeup down there it changes the way your vagina reacts, changes, hormones change. So yeah, the seasons in your life have a great effect on that. And it can't always be, well, this is what worked for me in my 20s. So it's got to work still. Yeah. And, and I guess like I, I love the, the fact that, so I think statistically women have better sex as they get older um, because they are caring less about what they're looking like and what they are, uh, what they are being like in in bed and I, I, that for me is wonderful because I think what we are told is that well you, you hit 50 and sex stops and, and women disappear they become invisible and yes you're completely right like I think there is this idea that when you when you're a mum you're you're not meant to be sexy anymore like you're a mum now like do, you can't behave like that like yeah, you're you can feed that mouth do you yeah. kiss your children with that now? My kids aren't watching me suck my husband's dick. So thanks. <laughs> no, that's not all I kiss with in mouth. <laughs> again, again here, you're right. And I think maybe, and I'm no expert, but I think maybe as we grow older as females, we also give ourselves permission more to, to be more comfortable in our sexuality, to understand that Flipping hell, I'm entitled. Well, also I mean, because c'est la vie, just, man. C'est la vie. Like, yes, also, life is getting on with it. And, and exactly, if I don't I'm, take it by the horns, then like. YOLO, baby. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's now or never. Yeah. I, I know someone who owns a, a sex toy shop. And she's like, I get all these women coming to me in their 80s and 90s. Their husbands have died. And they are suddenly discovering their bodies and their capacity for pleasure. They've bought their first vibrator at the age of 80 or 90 and they're having the time of their lives. And oh, some of that makes me have, so excited. And they've never, just... had org- they've never had orgasms before. And, and like, I'm overjoyed for them, but I'm also like, oh, my God, if only. If yeah, if you only. had known. Well, let's mm. change it, guys, with this generation. Fran, is there a book? Will you be working on something next? I mean, I've, you've just written a book. It's not really fair to ask you that. And um, also, can we see this show online? Yes. Um, n- not at the minute, but potentially. I mean, we're working on um, the diary of my broken vagina for television again. So fingers crossed. Which that, is that, on YouTube. So so people can yeah. go. I, I was watching it last night. It was great. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so there's like uh, like a 15 minute snippet of it. Um, we're working on a, a longer series, so fingers fingers crossed. Let's all manifest that. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. Sex camp style orgasms for everyone and a TV series <laughs> of me. Yes, please. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, I think I I mean there there are definitely more books. I I'm writing quite a lot about anxiety at the minute. I am a big sufferer of anxiety, and I think this past year especially has made me extra anxious in all the wrong and right places. Mm -hmm. um, mm. So I think the, the next thing I, I talk about probably will be, will be living with anxiety and especially like uh, social anxiety. Uh, so I might be taking a small break from vaginas, but I suspect there will be lots of vaginas in everything I do. I love it. And it <laughs> resonates so much with me and I'm sure with a lot of our listeners, a lot of women out there and men. Fran mm. Bush, thank you so much for joining us thank on The Great you. Equalizer. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yo, Samo, how's that online shopping addiction working out for you, bro? Flip it. Lockdown had me bad. I eventually had to start hiding deliveries from my husband. Well, all but one. Ooh, I bet I know which one. Ooh, is right, my friend. There's one online shopping site that kept both Ray and I coming back for more. <laughs> I see what you did there. You can only be talking about Matilda's. You've got it, my friend. Matilda's is the one-stop shop for all my intimate needs. It's also safe, secure, efficient, and discreet. Discreet as in when the overnight delivery arrives, my kids are none the wiser. Exactly. Folks, like us, Matilda's believes that their discerning customer base deserves the best sex possible, which is why they pride themselves on offering only the highest quality products made from body-safe materials by the best in the biz. These toys are heading for some pretty intimate areas, so you best believe that Team TGE and partners are exceptionally picky about where we get our goodies. But don't take our word for it, guys. We're sold already. Check out matildas.co.za and see for yourself. That's matildas.co.za for more. Before we unpack and, and sign off and uh, chat about, about Fran, I do have to say on Matildas, and this is, this is unsponsored and unprompted, but I want to tell an anecdote about my product. So I... Yes. I received uh, a product to review and you guys will get uh, for anybody interested in the top five products that um, have been popular on Matilda's site over the last year. If you want to know more about that, head on over to our website because we will be providing information on different products, what their selling points are, why, in, in, in what way you would use them and, and, Two of those products we have used and it, you'll get some insights into what we enjoyed about them. My one was the Regaler uh, by Roxoff. It's a rabbit vibrator. And full disclosure, I had received a similar product before from my husband, from Matilda's. Uh, he had bought it a couple of years back for me when he was away for eight weeks. And so for anybody thinking or looking down or, or like feeling uncomfortable that oh, sex in couples or um, sex toys, you know, is still a smutty, dirty thing. Yeah, hear me out, yeah. My husband was away from me for two months. We were missing each other. We were not connected. We, you know, he, he, we were both hyper-stressed. 
um, with with each of our work situations. And I got a discreet delivery at my door, and it was from Matilda's, and it was a, a different sort of rabbit vibrator. And what a sexy way to connect over some distance. It was really, really lovely, and it's, yeah. So for anybody having their doubts about how to incorporate it in your marriage, that's how, you know, we not how we got started in in sort of exploratory play, but it sort of helped, um, you know, keep us connected over, over some distance and it, it it made us sort of Matilda converts, should I say. Mm-hmm. So that, that is yeah. unprompted. That is, that is an unpaid for kind of endorsement. And then I received the regala from Matilda's and it is – different in a in a great way to the one I had been using to the one we had been using it is dual function so the part that uh, sits on your clitoris is is soft is really soft and it has its own motor and then the shaft part has its own motor so they can move you yeah work independently mm-hmm. the the uh, electrified or whatever the motion yes. yeah the motion and then I'm not sure if you know but like bullet uh, rabbit vibrators not bullet vibrator rabbit vibrators have these like prods typically mm, the two like little ears like rabbit ears yes which the regala doesn't the regala is just one small part which actually actually mm. sits quite nicely so it's very ergonomic it's very comfortable it's very soft and there is an a spot thing that happens. So we haven't gotten into that in this episode, but it, so the the shaft is a little bit longer, and I suppose it just hits a different pressure point. Spot, okay. Which I can vouch for. I think if you're looking for something that's not scary, if you're looking for something that's not hard, that's not going to prod you. I mean, I don't really endorse uh, dildos or vibrators that look like a penis. It's not for me. Should I say? Mm. I'm not saying like I don't agree with it. I'm just saying like. A penis it's not is your a cup of tea. Yes, a vibrator yes. is a vibrator. <laughs> Plus, also you, you've you've got the real deal to make use of yeah, when you so, when you so yeah. I mean, some people have had like there are masturbators made to in in the shape of a porn star's vagina. I was telling mm-hmm. Ray about that the other day, and then um, there are dildos made in the shape of a porn star's uh, penis. And I suppose maybe that's great for some women. It really wouldn't do it for me. I can definitely, yeah, vouch for this product and I'd like to steer our audience to our website to to read up about it because there you'll get the full you'll, review, yeah. You'll get the full review. You'll get some links up um, to the other products and you'll be able to compare. And to see and, how it looks and, yes. Exactly. But you got yeah. the, the note. You, so, oh, and, and I have to say this is that – so. I got the the rabbit vibrator, and as I say, Ray and I are quite comfortable incorporating it into um, our own relationship, you know, in person. But he's also going away for the next three weeks. He'll be yeah. at the Olympics, so so the timing is there perfect. You have it. There you have it. <laughs> yeah. If 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 I do find the time or the desire or the urge, I'm I'm sorted, and it. It, I don't look. I don't send. I draw the line at sending uh, images over WhatsApp. I just, I, I don't do sex just because in that of way. just yeah, because of privacy. Is not, <laughs> and we've been educated a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's the whole uh, social dilemma. A social dilemma. Yes. Well. Yes. I, I you won't find any naked of, naked pictures of me online, guys, because none get sent to my husband. But uh, a lot can be said for a sexy message here and there. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's how if you are if you are in a relationship, a long distance relationship, where you are away from each other for for a time, like I I can vouch for for sexy messages and uh, sexy deliveries as well. But Charlene, you <laughs> you have a, a toy that is best used as a couple. Yeah, so this uh, uh, this toy is designed for couples. And um, in our discussion with Fran earlier, we spoke about how the movies depict this perfect moment of how both climax together and it's just this blissful thing, which is which I very vocally call bullshit on. And also um, how quick it is, can I just say. It's not, shouldn't exactly. Be that and how quick it is. And can I just say that this little product that I received, the it's pronounced, I think, the NOS, because it's German. It, it reads NOS, NOS, in, is how I would have pronounced it. But there's a little umlaut on the, on the O's, so it has a little bit of an exclamation. It's a German name. And it is designed to give you those movie moments. Nice. So it's the, the moment where you both come together like not just arrive together but actually have the sweet release together Mm -hmm. and and for because sometimes I know in my experiences sometimes when there's been a long hiatus I would say um things have happened especially during lockdown there isn't time for you to be alone together and life is happening and you're stressed and when you haven't had a chance to to self-pleasure, the tension builds up. And when you finally do get the moment to to have sex, it's often over very quickly, not necessarily on the on the woman's part, but mostly on the man's part because it's just, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> so know? how would how would that type of product stretch him out? So it, well, firstly, what it does is, so, you know, so it's a penis ring and most penis rings go behind the testicles. Okay. To, uh, kind of block the blood or the blood flow, not block it, but to, to limit the blood flow so that the, when the penis is erect, it uh, can stay erect for longer. Um, this one goes in front of the testicles, which firstly makes it more comfortable, but it does the same thing because of the way the ring is shaped. So it still gives you that same function, but it's more comfortable, firstly, for the guy. So uh, if he were to climax quickly, he would stay hard for a while longer. Secondly, it uh, gives clitoral stimulation, very well-positioned clitoral stimulation to the female, which helps with orgasming because you're getting stimulation from being penetrated internally as well as the, the outer clitoral stimulation, which helps you get there quicker. So chances of you two, if you have your timing right and you, you work it out well, you're, you get there at the same time. And so you can both just after, if it takes just 10 seconds, just flop into bed. What I really <laughs> like about it Listen, is... Listen, no, be more realistic, yeah. Just for, for our listeners who haven't had the sweet release for a while, you know, it's been, yes. it's been some time. Let's, you know, you said 10 seconds. Let's... Because otherwise they're well, going to think that that's like, what's the norm? Oh, well, Charlene does it. Why am I not getting there in 10 seconds? No, okay, well, I hear you, but in the, I'm, I don't know exactly, I haven't timed how long it took us, but if I had to say, it's, uh, it's, 
it's significantly quicker. Like it's for probably a woman. In a third, for, for a for woman. me in, in like a third of the time that it normally takes. Do you is, like that though? Because some people like to stretch it out. So it depends where I'm at. I must say, if we're talking specifically about lockdown, which is the point that I was going to get to before you told me to make it more realistic, is is, um, it works for me because sometimes I want to have the experience. I want to connect with my partner, but I'm tired. And I I also want to orgasm, but I don't want to have this long drawn out thing where he has to work so bloody hard to do all of the foreplay so that by the time we get there, we can get there together. You know, Mm. sometimes I just, I wish I could just orgasm and be done with it so we can flop into bed and sleep because I'm also tired. So oftentimes it becomes a, as a mom, a toss up between orgasm, sleep, orgasm, sleep. I'm always going to go with the sleep option, you know, because tomorrow I have kids and a life to deal with and the kids are demanding, especially in lockdown. So for me, yes, sometimes it is for a drawn, uh, the drawn out experience is lovely, but then we don't, we won't use the toy or we might use it for a bit of foreplay and, put it down and carry on with the rest of our uh, shenanigans in a different way. But, and also what's nice about this toy is you can use it. You can place it on your fingers to, if you were to penetrate the vagina with, if your partner were to penetrate the vagina with your fingers, there's still the clitoral stimulation from this device and it's got different settings. Um, And I like that the settings are not so intense. Like some of the entry level um, penis rings that you can buy. There's only one setting and it just, it, it vibrates. So it, that is too, it's too intense for me. So there's so much I can say about this product. And I know I've elabor- elaborated already too much, but check out the review on our website and we'll put it all into bullet point bite-sized chunks for you. <laughs> yeah. Have, have a look guys. There's, there's a hell of a lot to say. And, um, you know, we'll obviously link everybody up if you are interested and I will add a, a little something there for those who are uh, newly being introduced into the world of sex toys. We did speak about it in our last um, episode on sexual health, but I will repeat it again for you. So, Charlene, how about we keep talking? Yes, guys, you know this. We always say this. And obviously, this is a bit of a tender subject. So if you want to weigh in, rant, swear, Uh, cry, laugh, or share anything with relation to this topic, it will be anonymous. Your anonymity, we will always respect. So please DM us a voice note on Instagram at the Great Equalizer Podcast or record one on your phone and hit us up over email, info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. We don't talk about these things enough. So this is a safe space for you to share your stories. Absolutely. And if you want to remain anonymous, just to reiterate that you will remain anonymous. Please also, if you see anything interesting along the lines of what we've chatted about or something that you find interesting, tag us in your Instagram or Facebook posts. Uh, Mention us on Twitter. We love seeing what you guys are into and we want to know what you want to chat about. Yes, your support is super important to us and you have no idea. Every time you give us a like, a love, a share or a comment, it means the world to us. It keeps us going and it's for you that we do this. So please keep them coming. Keep them coming and don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button so that you know when a new episode comes out.
Exactly. The more we're seen, the better this podcast will do and the better we can do for you. Also, if you if you listen on a different platform where you cannot rate or review us, you are more than welcome to mail us your review, DM us your review or um, any other which way you can get in contact with us. Yeah, email is a suggestion box, guys. And so that's it for this week. Until next time. Keep your mom game strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at info at thegreatequalizer.co.za and we'll get back to you.